Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 102 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I'm Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today, we welcome Polyvinyl Records co-founder Matt Lunsford to talk about the last 20 years of the label. Polyvinyl is responsible for some groundbreaking albums that still get mentioned to this day. We chat about some of the bands that helped start the label off on a good fit, when they realized American football was selling a lot of records, and the aesthetic of loving the music and doing good by the bands. It's a damn good reason they're still around. This is episode 102 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Polyvinyl Records co-founder, Matt Lunsford. I have to apologize. My microphone was a piece of crap during this interview with Matt. I sound like I'm in a trash can. Please bear with it. Don't leave a crappy review on iTunes. Hey, this is free, right? Thanks for having me, man. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad to do it. 20 years for Polyvinyl Records, which is pretty amazing. Did you think it was going to get this far? Of course not. (laughs) I didn't think it was going to get this far when we started because we came from humble beginnings and did not set out to start a record label. Um, Darcy, who's my wife and uh, partner in the company, and I started completely by accident. We had friends that played in bands, and so we grew up in Danville, Illinois, which is um, about 30 miles away from Champaign-Urbana, and it's directly south of Chicago. And it was a surprisingly supportive place to to grow up, become turned on to and involved in the music uh, scene. Um, this was like early 90s. I, I credit that experience every day in, in, like, in what polyvinyl has become. We had friends that were just a really incredibly influential group of a few friends, like six or ten friends that um, we grew up with like in high school times. Um, that were uh, a couple that were a little bit older than like two or three years older than we were that there, there's a group of like four friends that started to write a fanzine. We loved that and they were you know those guys are doing DIY shows and doing shows at like VFWs and other public places like total all ages shows in in the early 90s and um so as as uh, kids that were like you know 15 16 years old um in a town that didn't have a whole lot going on that was an an amazing outlet like an amazing thing to be involved with 
and from there we wanted to be involved and we started to to do shows ourselves and started up uh writing a fanzine with a few other friends and um i'm i mean i'm thankful for that every day when i look back on 20 years of of the label that darcy and i like had that opportunity and had friends that you know were turning us on to things that were that were interesting and and were unique how did that start i mean everybody started in a you know music listening to whatever maybe their parents had or the radio or you know for me for me it was uh you know hair metal you know that's kind of where i you know it's like i learned that and then sort of figured out that there was underground metal and then i figured there was yeah what was that what was that trail for you and especially we're both i mean i'm from a super small town you at least had chicago you know that was far in the distance um but still you were isolated I grew up at 13 years old. I discovered skateboarding in like it was like probably 1988 or 1989, and um, so as I was just first starting to get a an interest in music, as like you know when you're kind of at that age, uh, you know some of the first music I was actually exposed to was um, you know Indian punk bands in skate videos, and and so that was kind of a golden age I think of skateboarding, like uh, you know the 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 noses of boards are just starting to get long and, and uh, you know, street skating was starting to become a thing. And again, like a really close group of friends, um, same, you know, same, same town in Danville. And, and uh, we'd all skate together and we'd, we'd watch these skate videos like VHS tapes over and over. So as, as like a 13 year old kid, you know, I'm like the first sort of bands I'm getting into are like Operation Ivy and like Fugazi and, Dinosaur Jr. and Firehose and and uh, like Bad Religion and like all like and and so this is like probably 1990 1991 so a good few years before that that whole scene kind of broke out and and went into like Warp Tour you know sort of alt 90s world that that kind of came after that probably my first exposure to music that really connected with me I I think that that was the first time hearing music that that um that just felt like something that that really connected and felt like it was ours i mean that that was the thing like it it it, it was a sense of i really want to dig into this and i really want to to learn more and like find out about these bands and then you know go go to the record store and and like learn about you know new music and and uh cds were just starting to to become a, a more e- easy easy to get product and so you know starting to to go from like buying tapes to buying cds i i dug in uh, completely like started to like read uh like every issue of like maximum rock and roll and then like punk planet came out and started to read all that and then discovered like all the fanzines that that people were writing and and really dug into the labels and was like so you know interested in like you know mail ordering records from discord and uh you know like lookout and, and you know all the like touch and go bands and it was it was just kind of like this amazing discovery process and it was a lot harder to do in <laughs> the early 90s than it is today there was obviously no internet and so you you'd like pour over these fanzines and magazines and like you know like mail order a record based on like you know reading a review or like seeing an ad or something like that it was interesting i read a, a quote yesterday and and it was sort of talking about shutting off your phone over the holidays and during a certain part of day. And I mean, there's always articles like that, but what it kind of got me thinking about our conversation was you had time to think. And I, and right now I don't feel like I have that as much. And maybe there's younger people that are better at it than I am and I'm too old, but the, that, that, that part of 
going through the zine and thinking and looking at a booklet or a vinyl sleeve for hours on end or looking at something, I feel like your th- the thoughts and the ideas yes maybe you if you had we had access to wikipedia we would we would be uh different people and whatever it is and that's that time and place but that didn't that wasn't there but that that time of where you had to really want it you had to you you were you know you starting a zine we've joked about it before like you had to have a friend at kinkos you had to know this and it wasn't this in one day you could pop up a website i think about that often because I think that there are a group of people from that um, that time period and that scene, that that era that are you know still doing things today and and you know the, they're sort of you know lifers in the scene and and um, you know myself and and you know Darcy and and included you know we've been kind of doing this for our entire adult lives so it's been like twenty years kind of dropped out of college to start doing this and have never looked back and and. And I think it was because there was such a commitment to doing it in the beginning, man. Like we had to figure out there was so much DIY involved in the DIY scene. <laughs> we had to figure out like how do you literally like photocopy a fanzine? Like how do you you know do a layout so that you can go take this to Kinkos and and cut it and staple it and make it by hand and go take it to shows and sell it on the merch table and um. And so it was it was a slower like more methodical process I feel like and you had to be committed to it and so I think that's probably one of the things I'm so thankful for is the fact that we were involved in the scene and we had friends that you know even at like a high school age you could you could tell the handful of people that were really committed to this like they were going to make a bunch of phone calls and book a friend's band and get all their other friends to come out to the show and, um, you know, start a fanzine or, or put out a record or record a tape or do doing any of those things. Um, it did take a lot more effort than, than it does now because the world was so much less digital and it was, there was so much more space. I mean, I, I think too, it's the, the, just the counterpoint that I've heard from, you know, younger bands that, Look, there's there was there's more opportunity, but there's more noise. There's more Bandcamp links that I get emailed every day, which I listen to. But there's more and more, and it, it, I love that about it. But there was something about not it just it sort of weeded out the people that maybe just did it for like a weekend. Like I did a zine for two issues. It, I didn't really. I mean, I I wasn't that good at it. I tried. I interviewed Karate. That was their first interview ever. Thank you, Nerd Points. Yeah, like I don't know why they said yes, but that that type of leap of faith that a little kid in Vermont could email, which email was crazy back then too, to email a band and they actually responded and they did something for you and you put it out and you had ten people maybe read it. For you guys. Being in that quintessential Midwest area, um, what things were you seeing that were sort of perking your ears or that you were like, wow, there's something going on here? You're absolutely right. Um, so we, we were you know, connecting with things that, that at the time legitimately didn't seem as um, – like 20 years later, you would look back on it and say like, wow, that was a crazy life moment. It was just kind of like things that were happening. And so I, I can still remember 
for example, like hearing, getting and hearing like the Cap and Jazz record for the very first time. I mean, like that record changed my perspective. Like the the record was, was like so visceral and like yeah, you know, had the little red wagon on the cover and like I totally remember, you know, hunting down like the guy from uh, who I can't even quite remember um, who put out the record like in, in the Chicago suburbs and like and like getting a box of those like shipped to my parents' house so I could like sell them and and we would Darcy and I would go and like sell them at basement shows and like on the merch table because because it was like this feeling of like how can there only be like 500 copies of this record out in the world like how does not everyone know about this because it's such a great record and it's and it had like such a connection it was so unique to like anything that that um that we had heard and and um and and it was kind of like those kind of of moments like looking back on them were were really important and and um you know now again like there's people that are still you know lifers in in this you know doing it and we're we're all kind of still doing it years later like i i remember seeing um like Ezra Pound, which is like the pre-Reiner Maria band um, in, in Urbana, like at, at the the Red Herring restaurant, um, which is like a space that's a vegetarian spot that like does, you know, did all ages shows and, um, and you know, just kind of seeing them and, be, and being blown away and like talking to them after. And then, you know, uh, it was, I don't know, we were there just kind of selling records and taking photos for the zine and stuff. And, and, um, connected with them later um when when email first started to come around um having like our very first kind of like email address at the community college and um and like connecting with them um and and, and uh they're like hey like you know we we started this new band and and uh, it's called Ryan and Maria like you know and, and he, you know, hearing about that for the for the very first time and and all of that was kind of connected with in, in a, like similar to what you said, like being proactive and like going out to shows and and um, and and really being committed to to doing it and and um, and and committed to music discovery. And for us, it was uh, it, it also became about finding out about these kind of records, like Cap and Jazz or these kind of bands, and and um, and wanting to tell everyone about it because we were just so excited about it. For you, what was that switch to? the label and saying, God, I want to put out, I want to put out a record and I want to, you know, even the name, like what, where did that come from and what the sort of the catalyst to the switch? Cause that, that's another big jump that involves more money that involves space. It does. I mean, it, it, it involves more money. Um, it involves more time and more commitment. It, it, all of it happened in such a gradual and natural way. It wasn't. It wasn't suddenly like we wrote up a business plan and we're like, let's start a record label. It, it was, <laughs> that, that, you know, that's it was like, how it's done now, Matt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I was going to start a record label in 2016, I would start with a business plan. <laughs> um, <laughs> Find me emo bands. <laughs> yeah. um, show no, me no, your not, twinkle. Not, not, uh, not didn't, I didn't mean that that way. I said, show me your twinkle riff. Yeah, no, not at all, man. Like it was, it was the same way. So it was like we started to, um, we we wrote, we had the the fanzine with with um, actually I had it with a couple of other friends for couple of issues and then a couple of things happened that i think were really important um the with our third issue of the fanzine we which is pretty common practice at the time we put like a split seven inch like in with the with the uh with the fanzine and so through that in this kind of diy spirit like we figured out how to how to make a record and and how to how to get a record press and it was like um 
oh, this is, this is really interesting and, and a further way to tell people um, who are paying attention or anyone who will pay attention about you know, bands that we, we really like. And so it, as soon as we put the fanzine together with the 7-inch, it, it was really apparent that like, oh, this is like an even m- more first-person way to tell people about these bands that we are super into or that we feel like the world should, should hear about. And so, um, the, there was, there was that moment. And then the braid guys had put out their first seven inch and they had a friend who had put it out like, you know, just kind of common practice at the time. Like somebody was like, hey, I have some extra money. Like I'll press your seven inch. And like, there'd been like one pressing and it had sold really well, but then they were out of records and those guys are touring and, and, um, they were like, you know, would would you guys repress, our first seven inch for us. Cause at that time, Darcy and I, like, even though it was early days, like we, we obviously were really committed to doing this and, and we're, we had our shit together. And, and so the, the, you know, with, without, um, you know, the, the braid guys, like there would be no polyvinyl. And, and so, you know, we, we grew up to, you know, with those guys and like skateboarded with, with Roy, the, the original drummer and like we, we were friends and, and, um, and, it seemed really natural. It seemed like, yeah, of course, like, we'll, we'll totally do this. Like, we, you know, we just did a seven inch with the fanzine. Like it, it makes sense. Like we'll, we'll put, um, we'll, we'll do uh, a repressing of rain, snow match. And so we, um, we, we repressed it and then, um, Bray continued to, to play shows and, and tour and, um, and needed more copies. And so we, I think we repressed it, um, an, another time. And then, um, and then by, by 1996, when, when, um, we, the, the fanzine, uh, experience with the, the seven inch did so well that we decided to do like a compilation of a bunch of bands. So we did the, the compilation, we call it direction. And, um, it had, it had, it had like 20 bands and, I still to this day, it's, it's weird because it's like been 20 years. Like I, I'm starting to get a little foggy on how exactly we managed to get 20 bands to do this compilation. Like it, it you know, it's like calling a bunch of people and like writing letters in the mail. It took like a year to put together. Raina Maria joked that you put them first, which helped because uh, that that they had, <laughs> totally. they had said, "Oh, we have this new band. Let us send you a song," and then you would put it first, which always helps, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was the lead off song on Direction. All these bands that we had been in one way or another um, excited about, or list, heard about, or exposed to through the zine, or had seen uh, at a show, or something like that, and it was kind of like this whole culmination of being involved with. DIY shows and things that were happening locally. And so we, we kind of, we put that together and then it, it felt like, it felt like the, it, it, at that point we, you know, we named the, the compilation direction and it seemed like the direction that we wanted to take was to, to turn the project into a, a record label. We, you know, we went, we went for it there. And, and then, and as I said, like Braid was a band that we were actively working with. And then, and then secondly, like right with Ryan and Maria, like we wouldn't, there wouldn't, wouldn't be a polyvinyl without Ryan and Maria either. And, and, you know, so we, we put out the first, the first EP, which it, it I, I think about this from time to time, like that was that uh, the first EP was originally supposed to be a double seven inch. I don't know. Were, I don't, I don't even remember why, but then it became a CD. <laughs> It's, I don't know. The '90s were weird. <laughs> Became a CD, and then, um, and then from there, we just we we really started to to try 
to turn it into a full-time endeavor. I mean, it was still a part-time thing. Like Darcy and I were both starting college and we were going to school and, and we, were, we were doing this, but uh, like it, it was, we were so committed to doing this, uh, to doing polyvinyl that we, I remember going to, to school and I, I couldn't, like I couldn't concentrate on anything but polyvinyl. Like the, the, the only, the only thing that was redeeming quality was like going to the computer lab and getting to use like this, you know, very early days email system where, where it was suddenly like, Oh man, like all these people have been like, you know, calling from my parents' house or writing letters to in the mail. Like I can, I can like, if they have email, like I can email them. Uh, and, and so I like started to learn how computers worked and, and like email worked and, and it just like solely as a, as a tool to be able to, to further this, like this one sort of mantra we have, which is like do right by these bands that we love and, and tell the world about them. And so we, you know, discovered email by, by going to college for one year. And then by the end of that year, it was like, it's, it's, you know, in order to do this right and, and do right by these bands, like got to pick one or the other. And so, so Darcy and I both stopped going to school and, and went for it. Was it release by release? I mean, obviously, um, Rainer Maria didn't, uh, you know, sell thousands and thousands of copies. What, was this okay? We made enough money from Direction. Now we can do the next thing. Was it paycheck to paycheck? Were there things that this? It, I guess that sort of you quit something that you're supposed to be told that you should finish <laughs> to do something that's uh, a, that hasn't been done or uh, other people have, and you don't know if you're going to make it. And you've got to have the bands. And what were some of those thoughts as you were deciding to keep? Going. You're you're absolutely right. You know, we are seeing a lot of our like friends who are like going to school and and um, you know moving on to to that part of their lives, and we we're sort of like, let's give this a try. And we I think we we struggled for a, a little while, but we had incredibly supportive parents. I, I remember talking to my my uh, parents about like at least temporarily stopping going to school, and I was like, I'm I really want to try this, and and. Uh, Darcy's family were were really supportive with um you know we we had we had a like a little a little house that we rented um uh from them and and so we had like we played like dirt cheap rent and just worked like all day um on on polyvinyl stuff and for a little while Darcy had this you know shit factory job to like at least pay the bills and and we did that for a little while and um and 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 100% like we we're like you know just charging record pressing on credit cards and like you know putting out records and like trying to get the money together for the next record and there was there was no sense of uh of of as much structure as there is today it was like you know we put out a record when we had the money so it's like someone have a record done and we'd be like all right we have enough money to put this record out and so so for the first couple of years it was it was definitely like that and and we learned a ton and um the people in the earlier bands we worked with were incredibly, incredibly patient and, and also really excited to be, to be a part of it. And so by the time, um, we got the, the first kind of batch of releases out and the first Ryan and record came out and then the, and then Braids Frame and Canvas came out and it was 1998. And that was a record that was, it was just kind of like the perfect record at the right time. And, it, it did really well and got a 
ton of attention. It, it became a little bit more, I guess you could say, steady, um, where, where it felt like, okay, like we, we, can, we can do this. Like We're not going to end up going back to college in a year or two. <laughs> like, well, this, this, is, this, this can be like a sustainable thing. Compilations were a big deal. You mentioned direction earlier. Uh, don't forget to breathe. Comp was huge. You guys did one with Southern and Tree. Um, and which, which I got in college and I remember playing countless stuff off of it. And I mean, that was what today's weekly discover that, uh, Spotify gets yeah. now. So many things from that era have kind of been like digitized into their modern, their modern version. And I'm, and I'm not like a tremendously nostalgic person. I'm not sitting here looking back and going like, man, the nineties were incredible. And, and, uh, it, it will never get that time back. I mean, there were there were certainly some amazing things about it, and it was a really magical time. But but then again, so is 2016. And and um, you know, I feel like as an as an indie label, so many of the the advances in technology that that have come about in the last 20 years have only served to further like our still one and only goal, which is to 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 find bands that we love and work our butts off for them and tell the world about them and so so, so I think that those compilations and and those ways of discovering music were were exactly that like they were they were ways of of telling uh, the world about new bands and and you know at the time it wasn't easy to just pop open Bandcamp and listen to a full album by a band that you'd heard of it was more like if if you maybe heard of a band and then they were on a comp, you would check out the comp, or you, or the other way around, like you'd check out a comp because of a couple of bands you've heard of, and then you would discover ten more. And and so any chance we we got as a label to be involved with with compilations or have have bands on compilations, we were all for all the time. And and Braid put out so many songs on so many comps, like that's you know we ended up later compiling all that stuff and the movie music uh volume one and two that you know bob is is so um almost like you know librarian of that kind of thing like he's you know always cataloged everything and, and like so those movie music projects were amazing and so much fun and it was so cool to like to put that all together and you know and and, and i remember you know bob did did a uh a comp uh benefit comp um uh, I think it was called Udu I Love You. I think it was called. Um, it was like a double CD because he had like so many bands that he that, that he put on this comp and and like that was like this incredible project and and um, you know he he you know everyone was doing a comp and so one of the, one of the things that, that's funny and comes to mind about that Southern and Tree and Polyvinyl comp was that you know that that was an opportunity for us to just get music out there that was kind of like released songs it was it was like more playlisty than like original material so like you know it's kind of like the 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 you know a few songs from the latest releases from southern entry and polyvinyl and um and uh so it wasn't like original material but it was a, a good way to expose people to some to some music and one of the best things about that compilation i remember is that um i did the artwork for that comp <laughs> It was like the like the cheesiest like sort of clip art artwork like to, total nineties style um, and and I, I remember putting together the artwork for that comp because like no no one you know we were trying to figure out what to do with it and and um, the people at Southern like were like oh you can do it <laughs> I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing 
American football. Was right. there a moment or a, a time again that you saw them for the first time where it got sent the record and was like, or music and was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as you said, it, it was all kind of from the same family and, and, you know, obviously Mike played in cap and jazz and, you know, Darcy and I booked a cap and jazz show in Danville, like in pro, uh, man, I, I, like 1995, maybe like, I, I don't know. Like, again, like we were just absolutely like overwhelmed with how, incredible that that first record well that only record was um and so you know we we tracked them down and like had them come to to danville at the at the time um and um and so you know we got to know mike a little and and um and so then then when mike uh, came here for school. He started, you know, kind of playing in in a few different things, and and um, and we we knew him a little bit, and I um, you know remember seeing the band play at like a all you know a DIY show, like all ages thing, and and um, and it was like talking to them. They were going to record some songs, and we were going to do this this uh, single series, um, and so we we did one, and it was. Uh, I, I don't even remember how it was received. It was. It seemed like it was. Uh, people were, were into the songs, um, and then when the guys were going to record a record, um, we we kind of knew at the time putting out the record that it, that that they weren't really going to be a a band, um, but they wanted to put out. Um, they wanted to record a record, and and we really wanted to to kind of document that record. I mean, I think that that was another thing of the time. There was such a, a sense of like wanting to document the scene. Like it wasn't like today where the internet is self-documenting everything. It was like, we wanted to document the scene. And so even though they weren't going to go and hit the road and like support the record, um, we still want to put it out. And so we, we put, we put the record out. But how crazy is that? How crazy is that to hear? If a camp band came to you back then and I ran a label, I would have second guesses because I was just about to bring up the marketing aspect of what you guys were doing. Social media is not there. You weren't really making videos. Uh, PR was really expensive. So it was about touring. It was about hand-to-hand -hand combat. And if a band said, I want to put out a record, and hey, Matt, you know what? We're not going to tour. You're going to be like, shit, I don't know. But again, you had another reason that you wanted to document. But wasn't your initial reaction of, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it it. I think that's funny because it, it there's a paradox there for sure because we started the label as like a fifty fifty mentality and we really looked up to Discord and kind of what they were doing and 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 you know especially in the face of of kind of the 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 culture of the the nineties and big big music business um, and the the kind of like major labels being so pervasive and in the in the in gobbling up you know, smaller bands and, and that kind of, kind of mentality, we, we kind of had this 50, 50 model of we're equal partners and like, we'll work our asses off and put out your record. And like, you know, you go tour and we'll make sure that you have records for tour and, you know, make sure people know about the shows to the best of our ability. So <laughs> there is a weird paradox in that that doesn't quite match that mentality, but we love the record and we, and, you know, we love the guys and we just, we feel, really felt like, such a strong sense of like people need to hear this record that it, we felt like we wanted to put it out anyway. And, and it, 
it totally came out as, as a CD only release. <laughs> it's it such a strange time in 1999 because like now I feel like, you know, the, the, there's, you know, you've got all these assorted formats that you can listen to music on, you know, like you can still buy CDs and then, you know, obviously we do tapes and there's, of course there's vinyl and there's streaming and there's downloading. And, but in 1999, it was, uh, there it was an interesting time. It was kind of like, it was a CD world. And so, for a, for a release like American Football that was a really small release that um, we knew the band wasn't going to tour um, or support. The, and and but by the time the record came out, the band had kind of parted ways. I want to know your take because what I did was I got it. I was like, this is great. A couple jams on here. Uh, we'll play it on my show. Yeah. And I put it on the shelf. And I went back to listening to Promise Ring or you know went back to listening to – you guys, the reaction at that moment, it wasn't – the second coming of Christ, which it you know, which <laughs> is now revered yep. as what were you know the I guess that definitely you had no expectations um, of that thing turning into what it is now. Yeah, not 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 in any uh, wildest dream, but I feel like that still says a lot about the 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 power of the music that that is contained on that record because 100% that record had other than sending it out to college radio and maybe like trying to get reviews and fanzines and stuff that record had no like mega marketing push behind it and it wasn't trying to define a scene and it wasn't trying to really do anything that that it went on to do like we we just loved the record and we thought it was something really special and we wanted to put it out even though the band wasn't going to tour and even even though it wouldn't really have a lot behind it like we felt like it, it there was a reason for it to to be out in the world and it wasn't going to you know we didn't want it to be a record that like many records of of that era were like you know some uh some people would get together and, and be in a band and maybe they'd record a record and then maybe they'd have it for themselves you know maybe maybe they they'd go into a studio just like hey let's like get these songs down like and and have this recording um we didn't want it to go down as as one of those types of records and it totally could have like it very much could have because you know those those guys kind of parted ways and, and finished school and then that was that and so we put out the uh we, we put out the record um and what happened after it is is kind of still head scratching. Like it, it, you know, it was like years later we started to realize like, wait a minute, like people are still buying this record and, and, and talking about it. And I think we, we finally did vinyl in like 2008 or something like that, or 2007. I mean, it was like years later, like people, we, we finally put out on vinyl. But it's interesting how that, got shared. And around that same time, late 2000s, um, I don't know, everyone at college knew where to get every album ever <laughs> through whatever service someone did. And that right. was, it was, it was that time where everything was available and things were traded and that record was traded everywhere and was sort of that one that was listed. And maybe that was again, a special moment. Not necessarily for money, but for exposure. It, I don't know, man. I think that underscores a, a part of our philosophy too. That that um, again, like the technology that's 
that's that's come along in, in 20 years of doing this is blows my mind and, and I'm excited about it every day. I'm such an optimistic person and I see like these tools that have come about like, you know, file sharing initially and then, you know, the music, music becoming more digital and, and, um, and then, you know, more recently like streaming as, as all these, instead of seeing it as like this potential blow to our, our, you know, business model, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier for us because we see our business model as the, you know, the curators of, of a, a label that's job is to get as many people to hear these bands that we love as we possibly can. So when, you know, Napster and, and, and all of, all of the similar services were around, um, we looked at that as like, what an incredible opportunity for people to hear bands that, that we're working with and that we're, they're putting out records by. And, and so, you know, I, I feel like, uh, the, those services did us a huge favor with the bands like American football because no, you know, no one was like going to the store and buying those. Well, first of all, that, that would probably have been a record that wasn't in that many stores to begin with. So, you know, no one was like going to, you know, buy it that, that readily. And so, um, there was, there was this huge sense of, of uh, these technologies coming around and helping us to further uh, our mantra of, of, uh, of, of music discovery. Let's say, you know, it's post 2001, uh, things are getting a little bit, you know, crazier. Oh, four Oh five, the scene that you were sort of part of sort of changed a little bit. Was there a sense of like, well, we need to kind of go left again. Um, with with bands and 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 music everything that we have done and 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 uh, and stood for and 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 been as a label um has has always been kind of a little bit more about an uh, you know of kind of a, a DIY aesthetic and 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 almost like a more DIY ethos um and like a punk ethos than 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 being like a a, a specific scene so we've We've tried to to curate thing uh, records and bands and 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 work with bands from such a variety of of um, you know genres with within kind of like the 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 much bigger umbrella of like the punk ethos and and uh, it's not it's never been just like about like a laser focus on a on a certain genre or um, or anything like that um, it's always it's always been about working working with bands that kind of have like a, a similar spirit um and and so I, I think that we kind of just continued on with that you know even even um in into like the mid 2000s and 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 kind of always had uh, always have had the that kind of spirit and and never wanting to be um pigeonholed in into a certain specific sound or a specific uh genre as as much as 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 kind of wanting to be involved with with kind of sticking with our our kind of punk ideals as a label which i think too the you know you guys i mean every label wants that every label wants the the thought of where we we can put out whatever but when i worked at hardcore labels and we put out something different people thought it was a hardcore record that we sent them and it, you know, it took them. <laughs> yeah, it it sure. took them a minute. I think for you guys, um, 
you know, I thought that it would be something different. It was a little more indie, maybe not as accessible on the first listen. That was always my polyvinyl. Uh, when I got something in the mail, I was like, I got to give this a couple listens. Um, <laughs> right. Which, again, is not a bad thing. There's a lot of stuff like that. But were there any, you know, bands, I think, well, we should talk about Sunday's Best, too, I guess, first. I mean, that was another thing you guys had a long relationship with from the West Coast, too. It wasn't like a local. Darth and I both, like, worked really closely with, with Sunday's Best, and and we loved um, that band and, and, and the, the guys. And, and it seemed like when they made the Californian, like it's, it's funny cause the, the Californian to me is, is, is gotta be one of the two or three most like underappreciated records in our entire 100% catalog guys, everybody, as I do pause the podcast, go listen to Californian from Sunday's <laughs> best and come on back. Yeah, I would encourage that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, the, the the record is it, it, to me it's like th- there have been very there are very few records of of that era or 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 you know any um, era that that so perfectly like encapsulated like a like a time and a place in 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 such a uh, like a uh, identifiable way and that record is like this perfect sort of snapshot of California and it's it's like a concept record and it's i just i to this day love love that record and um it is you know we'll go down as one of these like head scratchers of like why didn't that record just become a record that everybody knew about i am so proud to have, have released that record i i um i i love that i love that record um to this day were there other ones in the in the catalog that you think didn't get their fair shake, or someone should go look back at? I mean, well, I think that everything everything Aloha has ever done is criminally underrated. Okay. Aloha, everybody, um, go go check out Aloha. Um, uh, I I um, Pele. I'm trying to think. Like, yeah, I mean, all the Pele stuff uh, um, is is fantastic, and you know, Pele is another example of a band that is just like these incredible like roots and and like just you know life or guys in, in music, you know, they, those guys are kind of from the Midwest scene and they're Milwaukee dudes. And, and, um, you know, those, those were kind of a little bit also similarly, like you said, they're a little bit more challenging records, um, on initial first listen. Um, and, and the kind of things that we really love putting out. Um, and, you know, and the, uh, Chris and John from, from that band went on and we put out the collections of colonies of bees record and, and, um, they were doing all sorts of stuff. And, you know, those guys are now, basically their volcano choir with, with, uh, with Justin Vernon. Um, and, and they, and, you know, they're still, they're still doing their thing. And, and, and it's, you know, it's there, there's a lot of, uh, of, of that like backstory and, and a lot, and a lot of, um, of the people that have been doing, doing things for, for 20 or 25 years that kind of all, we all came from that scene. It's not just you and Darcy now. I mean, what were some of those moments where? I mean, how how big is the staff now? Steph is uh, currently thirteen. There were there were moments uh, of of growth where it, it, it similar similar to like everything we've done, where we kind of you know accidentally started a record label and 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 kind of grew like you know one record at a time. That's similar to the to the way the the company's grown. Like we we never had a situation where like, oh man. Darcy, we need to we need to hire seven people at once. It was always just like, whoa, there's too much work for the two of us to do. Like, let's get a third person. And there's too much work for three people to do. Let's get a fourth person. And it was like literally just that until until the number thirteen. So when we've talked in person, 
um, and over email yeah. and things. We've talked a lot about that idea of, you know, what's happened to emo and the word and that word nostalgia and the, the commercialization of it. You know, you guys are having this mantra of just sort of you're doing this and you're doing it for right for the band. You're doing it right for everybody. What were your thoughts when those things were happening and uh, bands that you maybe have friends with were getting picked off and and playing in different areas or worlds? What were those things that you were thinking about um, at that time? Was it like, you know, I wish I could, you know wish I could get like that or that that'd be really nice or well that was really smart they did a business plan <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should have had that business plan man <laughs> um well you know i think we we never really even as far as back as i can ever remember you know no one that we ever worked with were, were like, like hey we we want to be associated with and fly the flag of this this like term emo. We we want to we want to be this. Um, it it always felt like this this kind of thing where you were kind of slapping a label on something and and trying to form it into a box and stick it in a box and say like this is exactly what this is. I will have preconceived notions of it and it and it will be. Um, you know, like, like uh, people are either going to be into it or not into it. It was, I felt like it was always kind of a a very like divisive term and it was always a, um, a, a limiting term. And so like, I think a lot of the bands that we worked with the, the songwriting and musicianship and uh, it was incredible and, and at, at such a level, um, and, and deserved to to have to have a lot more than than being like stuck into a, a little box, um, and 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 suddenly have all this like baggage come with it, and so um, because of that, we we always avoided labels. And I think obviously, like most musicians, you'll talk to will say like you know like, well, we don't we don't we don't want you know to be to be labeled like what we're what we want to do something that that, that we feel is is exciting to us and we don't want to 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 be labeled a certain way and have like a, a preconceived notion about what we do and and i think we felt the same way as a label we didn't want to be um sort of stuck into a little box and and viewed as a certain style of label in in any way and like we just wanted to kind of let our our, our hard-working like you know kind of punk ethic ethos be the driving factor with the label and, and not like a, a specific sound. And, and so as, as we saw bands and uh, kind of like just go right down a rabbit hole of, of um, being really specifically pigeonholed as, as like an emo band, um, it, it seemed, it seemed like a, like they would just kind of like, float away from the scene like they would just they would just sort of disappear and and kind of just as you said like they would just sort of go into uh you know they were like just playing different shows and just kind of were were in a, in a kind of a, a almost like a whole different uh parallel universe or something like that we were you know felt like we were just kind of like you know just just like kind of cranking away and like kind of fighting the fight and 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 um 
and and the, the, you know there was this uh, there was this weird sense of like you know like like suddenly becoming like part part of a, a different a different world or, or something like that and it wasn't it wasn't a uh, like a negative connotation or anything like that it was just it was kind of uh, um, like a graduation to like uh, or or a, or a, like I said like a parallel universe or something. It wasn't negative. I I, I think I want to express that. Like it wasn't like a negative thing. I wasn't mad or we weren't mad at bands that got big or decided to go and try that. It just it it it, it brought different people that didn't I think have that same ethos that were talking right. about the scene and talking about the music as if it was this commodity and maybe they also make business plans, but the, that idea that they were sort of seeing that and saying, I'm going to make this fucking huge. I'm going to make this thing. And that's great. That's fantastic. And I don't, I don't fault anybody for that. I don't fault booking agents, PR people, anyone that sees something, but it it was just this sort of, it was almost like, I want mine and I'm going to go. It wasn't, I want to bring everybody with me. Because that's how I feel that if you have that, if you rise and everybody rises up, you can sustain yourself and keep going. It's like if, if you have a garden and the neighborhood uses the garden and helps grow it, everybody has food. And I think it was almost like people would come in and see there's carrots and just go and not come back and plant more. And I don't know if I'm why I need to use the garden analogy, but it just seemed like that's what it felt like that they were just kind of picking and choosing and and just not coming back. That's a great analogy, man. And yeah, like I I feel like that's really um, appropriate way of thinking about it because we've, you know, been involved in this scene that like, you know, kind of defined our lives and, and changed our lives. And and we're here to be like the gardeners of that and to keep, to, to, to keep planting and to keep growing and, and, and keep, um, working with bands and, and 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 just kind of keep flying that flag and you can have successes you can have you could sell yeah oh, absolutely. polyvinyl you guys are successful you have records that do really well you have seminal bands it's not saying that you guys are just you know putting out things that don't do well you have a success but it, it's not this sort of it just seemed like everything you did went back into well I want to either teach a band, a newer band about that, or sort of give back. It was, I think I, t- I talked about this with uh, uh, Fred Feldman on Triple Crown, and he kind of said, like, you need that big band to sort of help a smaller one. You know, the, and I, 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 I get that. You, you having an American football album, you know, a new one helps a smaller band that you have. It's the, the, um, the, the, the right note with, how we view everything that we do even today um and and why we do it and um and and you know we're we're certainly not like anti success by any means like our 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 whole goal in doing this is is to to let every band or help every band that we work with to reach a certain level and, and reach the the highest potential that they possibly can and so you know i Obviously, we you know, we would like every record we put out to sell millions of copies, um, and 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 reach as many people as possible. Um, it, it's it's not you know we're certainly not anti um, you know growing bands or being successful. It, it's it, 
it's a, a little bit more of a of a feeling of doing that and continuing to give back and to grow the the scene and, and stay true to the, the ideals that we have as as a as a label and as as a label with you know a, a large body of work and a large group of bands that that we work with. I'd been doing the site for a couple of years, and and a couple of people had written and said, "Hey, um, I really like uh, Mineral and American Football," uh, and and they were from Russia, and I didn't believe them. It was '09. I did not believe them. I'm like, no one is talking about those bands, and no one cares. Who is this? And then they told me, oh, we there's this thing in Philly and there's these bands, Aldernon and Snowing. And I went, what is happening? And did you guys did you guys uh, have that kind of moment where, wait a minute, I think this is turning? A little late to even notice. We, we started to realize that the American football record was like continuing to sell like in, in ever-increasing numbers each year. And it seemed like, wow, like there's something is going on with this with this record that that, that seems to be unlike anything we've ever experienced with any record we've put out, and um, and and so it, I think that again, like it, it 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 maybe underscores that the the difference of like you know we didn't you know make like a slickly marketed you know record that we we thought was going to define a genre or anything like that. Like we just we we thought this is really unique record like it's it's something that we really believe in and that we want to put out into the world and and give it give it a chance to be heard and so it's it's really really gratifying that that even 10 whatever 12 years later that record it, it totally accomplished that it maybe it took a little while but it it happened and there's that patience thing again yeah right it, yeah like it, and it happened in a way that took patience and it took um it took a, an organic growth and, 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 uh, people learning about it in, in a non like slickly marketed, like packaged up way. And, and that's the thing that, that I feel super proud of. It's like the reason that, that, uh, the, the American football record, um, it, you know, became influential is because people discovered it and people got excited about it in the exact same way that, that as a label, we discover and get excited about things. Um, and, and same with, you know, with, I'm sure like bands like mineral and, and and um and and all the bands of that era that have that have kind of still been listened to even though there was like very little support or 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 um active drivers like making people like listen it's like someone's like oh we need to suddenly put this out there in front of everyone's ears and like no people actually discovered it and and I think that's amazing you just have to wait another 20 years for aloha <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> Completely. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, man, uh, I'll happily wait for twenty more years if, if, if Aloha can um, can 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 finally get their due the way American football has. And then again, having a new record for American football and launching and having a plan, having budget, putting forth right. videos. Guys were taking a different track. And again, still doing it tastefully. Again, like I feel like that's something that we, uh, I'm I'm proud of, and I'm also very, uh, it's it, it, very excited about, and and it shows the, it shows kind of the the mentality of of the guys in American football. Like they, you know, they they did did not in any way 
um, decide like, Hey, we're going to make a big comeback and like, we're going to make a record and it's going to be this like plan. <laughs> like, I, I feel like this whole thing, I'll, uh, like my, my, uh, my whole entire, uh, philosophy is like the anti-plan or something, but it, it's not, it's not so much the, the, the anti-plan as much as, as things happen, like adapting naturally. And so the guys started to get together and, 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 uh, when, when the idea of playing shows, finally um was was something they wanted to do i mean people have been asking for a while and and they're always like man it, it'll be it'll be weird and we're never really a, a, a band for that long in the first place and will people really care will it will, you know like there are all these reasons not to do it and i, I know the the guys talked about that when when they did the the podcast and like and then when when they finally um when they finally did it it was it was really exciting and they i think they felt great about it and and they were truly um stunned by how much the the record and the fact they played shows um meant to people the, i mean the first record how much it meant to people and 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 through that and in conversations with them they were like you know those guys are still still musicians like they're still they still their hearts are still in the same place even all these years later and and like as they started to play shows and 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 work together to to rehearse and things it's like naturally they 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 like started to like oh what about this part and like what about this like little song idea and they started to kind of like write music and and so um there again like the i don't know there wasn't like a, a grand plan it was sort of like they started to to play the shows and they started to write some music and then it was like well let's put out another record what are what are some things that have excited you recently not necessarily bands or maybe sounds or 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 thoughts that have excited you that 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 continue to even from doing this uh, from from like the very first day like uh 20 years later like it's it's it, a lot of it is still the same thing man it's like get you know uh starting to work with a band for the first time and like being able to help like being 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 um and, and obviously we're a lot more confident in our abilities after having 20 years of experience doing it and having a bigger staff and having the ability to 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 really feel like we, we can do a great job um but it, it's like being able to help and a, a band that's really excited and really committed to what they're doing um see us as as a partner and someone who's there to to supplement what they do and help them and and having that feeling of getting uh a record for the first time like but you know both hearing a record for the first time when it when it's finished you know being recorded and and mixed and mastered and then even getting that you know shipment of records in the in the mail for the first hour then delivery in the first time and like pop in it open and like you know everyone in the office like huddles around and like pops out a copy of, you know and we look at it and it's like oh this, it's here you know it, it's it it still is exciting and like that feeling is still uh, is still really unique and you know we we may have done it you know three or four hundred times but to to the bands we work with, you know, you know, maybe it's their first record or second record, or you know, they only they only get to to see and fill and open up their their record uh, once, and you know, there's only you know one one first time, and like that's still really exciting to to be a part of, and and to and to know that we're we're there helping to to continue forward. What would you say to someone listening that wants to start one, start a label tomorrow? 
Don't do it. Mm. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> write that business plan. Write that don't, business plan. Don't write a business plan. Yeah. <laughs> don't write a business plan. Um, but you, you know, it's so funny. We keep joking about that, but I think there's so much truth to that. It's like, well, if, if you have um, bands that, that you are passionate about and, um, and, and that you, you feel like if no one else, if no one else gets them uh, out in the world, then you will, then, um, then I think that, that you should do it. I think that, um, I still think there's a lot of room for, for labels and, 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 um, and people that curate bands and scenes, you know, in 2016, like it, it's, I, I think that there's, there's almost like a, I feel like a certain moment right now that like, it seems like there's, um, there's a, a younger crop of, of bands and, and, and re- really, um, uh, like, uh, DIY type label, uh, philosophies, you know, of kids putting out, you know, doing tape labels and, 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 um, and curating bands and, and, uh, and that culture is definitely still very, uh, healthy and alive and, and well and, and, and happening. And, and I think that more people should, should do it for sure. Is there anything that you want to do? Like, don't just tell me do the same thing. What, what's like a, what's like a crazy idea that you're like, God, I really wish we could do that. <laughs> I mean, I did just get your tab book for the first American football record. Which is which was crazy, but that wasn't yeah, that, that uh, wasn't like your dream fifteen years ago. Hey Darcy, you know what? <laughs> My dream. I want. We're gonna put on late December. I want to have people get the tab book. No, that wasn't it. What what's what is it? It's it's been a pretty reflective year. Uh, go, going for twenty years. Um, it's been it, it's it's been reflective in in a sense of twenty years later, and we we put out another American football record. Like never would have guessed it in a million years, like, you know, meeting, you know, Mike and, and, and Tim and, and, uh, you know, with Cap'n Jazz, like in, you know, 21 years ago. Um, and, and, you know, the Braid guys are still playing shows and, and, you know, and, and having a, a, a continued friendship with those guys for like half of my lifetime is, is, is like, it, it definitely gives you a moment to, to be reflective and to pause uh, which is something that I actually don't do a lot of. Like we're so busy and we're so focused on putting out the next record and like what's next. Like we don't we we don't look in the rearview mirror a lot. Like it's there's a lot of like moving forward. So I think we're going to continue to do a lot more of of that moving forward um, with with the label and and continuing to grow, um, continuing to to work with bands that we love. Was there anything else you wanted to mention? I'm. Really happy to do this. It's great to talk to you, and I'm I'm really glad that you do this podcast. I'm a huge podcast fan, and, and I'm 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 really honored to do it and and to be a part of it. And um and uh, I I look forward to continuing to listen to to the podcast as as a listener as well, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm telling you, it means a lot. You guys are again. I got your comps and American football records that I put back on the shelf after two listens. Um, you know, I, I definitely um. You know, appreciate that, uh, even aside from the American football joke, but just the you guys putting out what you love and actually knowing who I am and supporting it and uh, understanding, you know, there's that ethos underneath it that that's what permeates all of this. And when, 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 when people say, why, why, why did you say that band was this and that band that? And it's just, I'm sorry, it's an innate heart thing. I can tell. 
<laughs> I've been doing this long enough where I'm sorry. Yes, you can have your heart in the right reasons and you're a great band, but there's this certain way that it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a VFW hall, but it has to be something where you've, you've gone through the ringer. Um, and you understand that this is not, you know, I'm just going to do this for a hot minute and move on. We didn't talk about that originally. That's fine. And we didn't, but it's just that whole of like, there's a certain fan that got into it for three years and now just assumes that those three years are, that's it. Like that's, that's the only, that's the only time that that music existed. Right. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't understand the sort of the deeper root that is it's there and is being carried forward. Yeah. By a, a a group of people that are that are really committed to doing that as, a, as like a life thing, like a lot, you know, like the, I think that's where the, the idea of lifer comes from, for sure. Got caught, kicking the can, it's done Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And for this current episode you're about to hear, I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. Also, reprinted volume one so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.